Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Johannan and Marlies and, and Grace and the rest of their troop, Levi there, I was just trying to see you all dot around, the other kids are going to kids ministry, and uh, they were elders here at Life Changes many, many years ago, they were, um, they sowed heavily into this church, um, like you d- won't believe, they, they, they sowed into worship, they sowed into marriages, they sowed into families, youth ministry, they've done it all, Life Changes, they've done it all, and uh, they also, I think one of the greatest deposits they put into uh, this church was they, they always kept an open home. Always have and always do, and, uh, and they taught many what hospitality and generosity looks like, and uh, we wanted to say thank you so much to, for all that you've sowed in. They lead an amazing church in Joburg, so if you're up there, go and visit them, but uh, they, we're really proud of you guys, but it's a huge privilege. They've come to visit us here at Life Change Milton, um, and one of the reasons I, I'm, I'm so excited about it is because this is some of the fruit that, of your sowing many years ago, just into big people, that we would be a people that would, be, would, would go beyond ourselves, and we want to say thank you so much. Not physically big, as you can see. Um, just to let you know that I have a personal affection for them just because uh, uh, the first nine months I lived in Cape Town, I lived in, in their home, and just I want to say thank you so much. I just love you guys hugely. We've got a little gift for you, just, uh, for, just for Marlise, not for Jan, but just because... Um, just because we know if you honor Marlise, then Johan is happy, so it's okay, so... You don't have to give him anything. It's a great, great treat, that, eh? It's wonderful, eh? But we, yeah, he taught me that. So there we go, just putting into practice. But we love you hugely. Um, we really, really are so grateful that you would come and visit us here today. And uh, really, really cool. On that note, just we have got sewing in summer envelopes around you. We won't bang that drum for too long. But if, if you want to be a part of a people who sow into a future generation, a lot of people here don't know Johanna Marlies, but they've sown with, with finance, with energy, with emotion, with, with love into many of our lives. And many of us who not even, who never met them, but into a future story. We want to be a people who keep sowing, keep investing. So those envelopes are just reminders. We're taking up a special offering uh, this December so we can invest to, into the people who, who need that investment, into the poor in our community, kingdom adv- advancement adventures, and uh, church planning. So why don't you sow with us in that moment? But it's really, really good to be here. It's exciting. Let us get stuck into the Word of God. Everyone all right this morning? Give me a wave from left to right. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for braving the rain this morning. It's really, really good. We are very happy to have the rain. But it's really exciting. We're in the third week of our series, Daniel. We've got one more week to go, and uh, it's been such a great series for myself and for us as a church, I believe, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. But it's a book, a 12-chapter book, that contains incredible stories. Lovely to see you, Greg. This is, we're family. It's nice to see you. Good man. Good man. I instantly regret doing that in front of all of you. But it's lovely to see you all. I don't know why I did that. But anyway... And with my weak left hand as well. It's very awkward. Anyway, just to show you, don't leave your seat. You don't know what will happen. I will chase you. I will find you. Anyway, but this book of Daniel, let's get back to the word. Please, people, this is church. This book contains stories of three men who get thrown into a fire and survive. The story uh, contains invisible handwriting on a wall at a, uh, interrupting a party. It's a, it's a book that contains stories of servants getting authority from kings. It's a book that has the greatest lion-taming act you could ever imagine in it. These are exciting stories, but what has gripped our heart with this short book and in this season is not that it hap- these are hap- stories that happened, but we believe these are, these are stories that happen. 
The first six chapters of Daniel are history. The second half of it is prophecy. And I believe they are put together to remind us that this is not just something that once happened, but we believe a God who still reaches into our lives now and brings breakthrough, puts faith and courage in our hearts here and now where we live. The whole premise of this series, uh, just to bring you up to speed, is Babylon is a, where modern-day Iraq would be situated. And this nation, Babylon, invaded Israel, took them in kept, into captivity, defeated them, ransacked their, their nation, and dragged the whole nation into captivity for 70 long years. The Israel nation, for 70 years, lived in a nation and a, that was not their own home. And they lived and longed for with a prophecy saying that the one day after 70 years, they will go home. But in, for 70 years, they had to understand this dilemma of, we're not in home, but we will go home one day, but how do we live in the here and now? And we love the fact that that's not just happened, but it happens to us here. If you're a Christ follower, I want to tell you that is your narrative. That is your narrative. This is not your home. The scriptures tell us we are aliens and strangers in this land. One day we'll go home to be with Jesus, the glorious day. But for now, we live in exile, in captivity here in Babylon, modern day Babylon called Cape Town, called the planet Earth. And the question that Christians are battling with around the world that we need to understand is how do we live in the here and now in light of what is to come? And that's what this brief series is about. And we, we've been suggesting that Christianity often gives us two options, two response systems. Number, number one, we either abandon the here and now. So we sing kumbaya, we, we, we make, turn our own butter, we knit our own clothes, we hide, hear no evil, see no evil, do no evil, don't engage with the world, keep your head down, and hopefully one day the rapture will come sooner than later and we'll be out of here. We made it. So we abandon. Or the other option that we're given is we actually assimilate. We end up just looking like the culture. We just become a mirror. We listen to the same songs. We do the same things. We sell the same jokes. We actually look no different to the culture. They really will will not know, am I a Christian or not? Just sneak in there saying, God bless sometimes with a wink. I'm a Christian. Then they'll know. And we just become just so like the culture. But we're saying actually, we believe there's a third option, neither to abandon nor assimilate. But Daniel gives us a playbook of how we're supposed to engage with the planet Earth that we live in here and now for these plus minus 70 years is to affect culture. Neither abandon nor assimilate, but affect. And we're saying we don't have to endure this time, we can influence. And we believe that is what the series is about. So I want to ask you, the big question that we've been saying the series is all about is how do we have a faith that stands when everyone else is bolting or bowing to the culture? How can we stand? Everyone happy with that? Oh, good, good, good. It's wonderful to be together. Really, really cool. So I'd love you to stand to your feet. We're going to read uh, Daniel chapter 5. If you are new and you're just uh, joining us, we've understood it. We've put a couple of pieces. I'd love to point you to the website. Take a listen to Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2, 3, 4 as we've preached through this book. Chapter 5 is where we're at today. It's a long, chunky portion of Scripture. The reason why we stand is because we give the Word of God highest priority here. So I'll ask you, open your hearts up because we want the Word of God to go deep in our hearts. It's a great story. Let's lean in. It says this. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. Somebody said amen. No, no one. It's checking. <laughs> While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So he bought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. 
The king himself saw their hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck, a.k.a. they'll look like a rapper. He'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell them what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. His nobles too were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There's a man in your kingdom who is within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he'll tell you what the writing means. I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Daniel and the king have an exchange, and then Daniel answers the king, Keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and language trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles, your wives, concubines, will be drinking wine from him while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent his hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. And this is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You've been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain was hung around, hung around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you that you are here. You are here to pursue the furthest heart, here to soften the hardest heart, and here to strengthen the weakest heart. We open our hearts now for you to do these things in us together as a community. Father, I thank you also that despite the fact that the Springboks lost yesterday, as Mish reminded us, today is a new day, and our emotions are not dictated by sport. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Why don't you take a seat? Just had to get that off my chest. The big idea this morning is a simple one, 
but it's a, a simple one. I want you to take it home with you. This is the question I want to answer is the fact of how, that faith in the ordinary, faith in the ordinary is a faith that gets authority. Let me say it again. Faith in the ordinary is a faith that gets authority. So a simple thing this morning as I walk us through this passage is three things that we can learn from Daniel and his response in this community, how he went, had faith in the ordinary and led to have, getting him, getting faith in, and that, that led him to have faith that got authority. That's what I'm wanting to do this morning. So three things, very quickly. Number one, will be on the screen behind me, is that we see that Daniel had faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let me bring us up to speed here. Daniel had a track record of faithfulness, years of faithfulness. You see, when we pick up this story in chapter 5, this is another king, Nebuchadnezzar, the king who greeted the Babylonians when Daniel was a young man coming into captivity. Years have passed by, and Daniel, the commentators say, is now 80 years of age. This is not young, some young, fresh-faced youth anymore. This is a man who's seen a whole kingdom come, arise and fall, and a king go, and a new king come. He's still in captivity. He's still there serving this, a foreign king, a foreign nation. He's 80 years old now, and there's a new king, and, and, and he, he, Daniel had one favor with Nebuchadnezzar, but that king had died, and it's almost like we've got to start again. A new king is in place, and this king is despising that all that has gone before. But we find a man, Daniel, who's been faithfully serving the different kings. The amazing thing, I don't know if you picked it up, but we see this amazing moment where there's a, a, the writing on the wall and, and, and the panic hits it in the kingdom and the king doesn't know where to turn and the queen runs in and says, listen, listen, there is a man who has been faithful to your, your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, a man who's been faithful throughout the years. He's an older man now, but he's a man that's reliable. Let's go fetch him. His reputation had gone before him. Now, I, I want to bring to you and suggest to you this, this morning that most of our lives will be made up of seemingly ordinary things. Most of our lives will be made of seemingly ordinary moments. And, and I, I don't know about you, but most of my days seem very ordinary. The alarm goes off. When I say alarm, I mean Olivia crying at 6 o'clock. It means the day starts with nappy changing. The routine goes. The bottle goes in. We wait and we have breakfast together. And then all the and it's just for moms. I can imagine your days seem the same after the same after the same. The kids pick up the kids, drop them off at this time, pick them up at that time, do the same. We have the same discussion. Have you done your homework? No, you haven't done your homework. Come on, why haven't you done your homework? It seems like we always in the ordinary moments. A lot of times, maybe for you, it's getting up, going into the traffic, sitting by, hooting at the same taxi he pulls in front of you every day. It's almost like a ritual. And you need to wave. It's good to see you, my bud. You debate, do I listen to Wackhead Simpson or Smile FM? Which one is it? If it's after eight, you'll listen to Wackhead because he's got a prank. You know, it's the same dilemmas every day. We get to work, we do the work, we have the lunch break, we finish the lunch break, we finish the afternoon waiting for four o'clock, jump in the car, in the traffic, get home, what's for dinner, love? Ordinary days seem to fill our lives. Am I the only one? Here's the problem. As we live in the curse of the Instagram age, Whereas you flick through your social media at night, every photo has been posed for, has been filtered, and has been carefully selected out of about 20 options for the same photo. And we see that, and I don't know if it's you or, it's just, or if it's just me, but we see that and we go, oh my goodness, look at their life. Their lives are amazing. Fill the, and you just go through their, their page. They're just are living the dream. Look at my ordinary, boring life. And I, some moms can get home and go, look at that. You're like haggard after a day, picking up kids, dragging them through, hoping they're going to do the homework. And you're, just, you're slopping some two-minute noodles and leftover hamburger meat together. And then you go on Instagram and you see that super mom there with her three nice kids who've got the middle parting. And she said she's grown her own vegetables, it's organic, and this incredible three-course meal. And you're like, 
How does she do it all? I wish my life was like hers. A preacher once said this, though, as a warning. Don't compare your behind the scenes with others' highlights reels. Don't compare your behind the scenes with others' highlights reels because this is the truth that I want to bring to you this morning is that you and I live in a day and age where if it's not extraordinary and big and loud and fast and famous, then it's discarded. But so much of what God is going to accomplish in your life is going to take place quietly over a long period of time with you just being faithful with where you are. This morning, my thesis is how you view your ordinary determines how you'll walk into greater authority. How you view your ordinary determines how you'll walk into greater authority. Because actually when you strip the, the biblical narratives of their dramatic flair and their, their, their amazing, the, the curtain moments, the curtain pulled back and we see this God invading moments. Let me tell you, when you strip them of their spectacular special effects, a common plot point emerges. Extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Every time. Let me, some of you are looking unconvinced. I've got to work hard. Thank you. Thank you for making me work hard on a cold day. There's a man named Moses in Scripture who gets a lot of airplay. He's got a number of Hollywood movies accredited to him. He's a big player in, the, in this grand scheme of biblical narrative. But this man, Moses, was next in line to the throne of Egypt, was driven out because of a whole bunch of circumstances. And, but he had this promise that he was going to go and he was going to redeem his people. He had this desire to have a dramatic Instagram moment, setting the people free, hashtag, bam, boom, what a day. But from being kicked out of Egypt to setting them free was 40 years, 40 years in the Midian Desert, where he was not a local, just like the Bab- the, the Daniel and his mates in Babylon, a place that was not his home, where every day he woke up with the alarm at 5 o'clock, and he got up and he thought, is it Wackhead Simpson or not, and uh, won't listen to Wackhead, went and looked after the sheep of his father-in-law for 40 years. And there comes a moment where there's a bush that leaps into fire, and this even in itself was not an amazing thing, because in, in Israel, it's so hot, bushes are always bursting into flames. So I can imagine this, the scripture tells that this one just piqued his interest. He went over to have a look. God often does the miraculous out of our ordinary. Another man, David. There's a man, David. The moment comes for a new king of Israel to be ordained and, and brought in. And the man Samuel comes and says to the house of Jesse, bring out your sons. And all the, the big, the, the, the brothers who came, all blonde, blue-eyed, big muscles, you know, just first-team varsity sport guys. You know, those sort of guys. And as he goes down the line, the guy goes, no, it's not him, not him, not him. There's someone else. And he goes, oh, you really want to see David? He's the lighty. He's the last born. Da- he's out in the field. Somebody go get David. Because where was David? He wasn't doing press-ups, waiting. There's a big moment coming, big moment coming. No, David was in the field every day, singing his alarm, which the radio station will listen to as I go to work, with a sling in his hand, looking after sheep, picking up their poo, chasing away enemies, just going through the ordinary day after day. And then God speaks. Many get stuck praying for a change of boss or circumstance instead of leaning in and being faithful with where God has placed them. There's a man named John Piper, and he says this incredible statement. He says, he, he says day in and day out, he says, I meet young men from around the world who come to me and says, Dr. John Piper, I want to do something great for God. And he says, that's cool. It sounds great. But he says, give me one young man who comes to me and says, Dr. John, I just want to be faithful with what I've been given. He says, I tell you, I give you a man who will do something great for God. 
Embracing the ordinary allows us to take hold of the suddenly. I believe that many of us, God is having suddenly moments come past us, but none of us are aware or able to take hold of them because we have not taken hold of the ordinary moments and given them the priority that they deserve. I learned this a long time ago, that life is made up of dots and then events. Dots and then events. The problem is not many of us are able to take hold of the events because we have not joined the dots sufficiently. We've not learned how, what it means to walk by faith daily when in the seemingly ordinary and mundane. I, I was thinking about this with Fee the other day. We had church here the last few weeks. This, the services, when the weather is good, they get packed in here, and God's been doing amazing things. <coughs> Neighbors I've been praying for, been coming to church and weeping and, and amazing moments. We had ministry moments. We got to preach. And I'm like, I'm going, this is exciting, dramatic moments where God is invading in people's lives, having prophetic moments, speaking truth, and people going, that's what God, yes. And I'm like, this is incredible. I'm on fire. God, you and me, hey, rocking this thing. Ministry. And then you know what happens? We lock the church on a Sunday. Fee and I get in the car. We drive home. We get home. And Fee says, okay, you're going to change the nappy. I'm like, but I'm a man of God. Do you not know who I am? She goes, yeah, you are. Why don't you go pray while you do the nappy? And uh, change the nappy. And then we go, then she goes, okay, then we go, who's on dishwasher duty? And then say, do the dishwasher. Can I tell you, I would, sometimes I would, people say, oh, I would love your job. I'd love to do what you do. Do you know how ordinary my days are? They are very ordinary and they're beautiful because I believe that actually it's the ordinary that qualifies me for the extraordinary. It's actually what I do tomorrow morning. Do I wake up and open the scriptures for myself when no one else is watching? When no one else is saying, great word, Gabe. When there's no, one, no keyboard playing in the background, do I embrace the ordinary there? Do I wake up every morning and go, ah, oh, I just wish it was a big moment today. Actually, no, I'm going to pray for my wife who's actually, actually, she's not really flourishing today. Actually, I've got to serve her or I've got to step up and serve somebody else. That's the ordinary. If you saw how ordinary the days were, you might be very disappointed about these days. But I want to tell you, I believe there's something beautiful about the ordinary that God is wanting to highlight for us. Because many are waiting for God to announce the great thing He's going to do. Many of you here, God, tell me, what's the call of my life? What's the next thing that's going to happen? God, I need some breakthrough. What is it? God, tell me! And can I tell you what I believe He would whisper to you this morning? The extraordinary has already begun. The extraordinary has already begun in in your ordinary, in your long days of small things. God says, I'm doing something significant. Can you see, uh, for, for mums with small babies, can you see in the ordinary what God is doing? Can you, can you see what God is doing in the late nights, the early mornings? Can you see what God is doing in your consistent serving, grinding, giving, just going through the motions? But actually, God, there's something spectacular happening here. The first thing we find with Daniel is he did not despise the ordinary. He embraced it in faithfulness. Number two this morning. Daniel not only had faithfulness, he had fruitfulness. They all begin with F, just for the NTMI folk in the front there. (laughs) Just helpful. Fruitfulness. Let me tell you, Daniel was there. He'd seen a lot of things happen in Babylon. He had the prophecy echoing his ears. Seven years, then you'll be going home. Can I confess, if I knew that the end was getting close, I've lived, I've done well, I've, go, I've seen it through with one king, there's a whole other king now, I've seen this rodeo before, I've only got a few more minutes to go before we're going home. You know what I do? I settle back and say, let the king have a go. I just don't want to get involved. Keep my hands clean here. 
Daniel, though, in this moment, he could have slinked through. could have gone, hey, I've done my time, man. Nebuchadnezzar and I, we formed a great relationship. Now it's a new one. And actually, God's prophesying he's going to be gone soon. Let this moment go. But this incredible understanding is Daniel gave himself not just to survive in Babylon, but actually to thrive in Babylon. That actually we are called not just to survive and make it through. Eh? Just hopefully my kids will be okay by the time. No, your kids are called to, to thrive. We are called to thrive in this environment. And, and I love the fact that Daniel, as the queen came through, said he was, he was known as a man of exceptional ability, able to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. When I see solve difficult problems, I see the hard Sudoku ones. I think Daniel would be so good at this. Anyway, it's my own thought. Solve difficult problems. I was like, Sudoku, must be. Can't do those. But back to the point. Sorry, I digress. I, want to, I believe this morning that many are blaming their circumstance or environment for a lack of growth or a lack of flourishing. This is just me. Thank you. Maybe you're saying something. Maybe you've said these things. I believe I've, I've said these things before to my shame. If, if only my boss would give me an opportunity, then. Maybe you say things like, if only I'd gotten that promotion. When that promotion comes, then you're going to check me in my space. If only my spouse would get off my case. If only the church would recognize my gifts. When my circumstances change, then I will grow. I want to suggest potentially there's the, the, the opposite is true, that actually God says when you grow, then your circumstance will change. Stop waiting for what you want and start working what you have. That's good. should be tweeted. Stop waiting for what you want and start working what you have because God's already put things in your hand and says be fruitful with it. Make it more. That is the principle of the kingdom. He has put stuff in your hand. What is in your hand? Back to my two examples. Moses, another man, had a staff that you've been shepherding for a long time and waiting, waiting for the big call. God, what must I go do? Are you going to give me a different set of tools now for the next job? No, you've been faithful with that staff. I'm going to use your faithfulness there to make you fruitful here. What's in your hand? David and his sling. It was just a, it, they just seem so natural things. What is in your hand that God is saying, will you prove fruitful with? There's a man named Rory Dyer, and we love to tell his stories here because they're good ones. And Rory Dyer tells a story once when he took his whole family, got a large family, and they packed them in the combi, and they were going to the Kruger National Park, and they, they took with them their, their nanny who had, who had never seen wildlife before. And they thought it would be a real special thing to take them with, and it will be a great treat for it. And as they're driving, they're driving to the gates, very excited, you know, with the big five on which one we're we going to see, you know. And as they're driving, the nanny screams, Stop! They put on their brakes and they stole the car. What, what, what are you seeing? She's like, massive eyes going, Look, look. It's an impala. And about 10 impalas go past, and they're like, Ah, yeah, that's really cool. You see, she'd never seen impala before. But, but they're like, ah, this is, that's awesome. Okay, cool, let's go. And they move on about 20 meters down. She goes, stop. Slams breaking. What? She goes, another one. Another impala, another herd go past. And, and Rory starts going, this is going to be one heck of a long day. <laughs> the impala at every corner. But he said, as he was thinking of this moment, he felt the spirit of God just speak to him saying, when did you start despising the ordinary? When did you start looking just for, at the things that you, what you think is important when actually I'm bringing important moments every day? And I want to I suggest to you <coughs> that we are people who are so tempted to lean into what we think is extraordinary, what we think is matters, but God is saying, actually, will you be fruitful in the small things? Because when you're fruitful in the small things, watch what I'll bring in front of you. 
I, I, I believe this is an understanding for you now. Well, we stop for the ordinary people. I know too often I, I've been in places where, you, you know, you, you see people out ordinary, ordinary, but I want to get to that guy. I want to chat to the big man in the room. Is anyone else like me? The celebrity, the guy, I want to talk, hey, nice to see you, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how's it, man? When actually God has called us to a different economy, will you be fruitful with who I bring into your path? David, Daniel was not just faithful, he was fruitful. Finally this morning, for time's sake, he was also faith-filled. The moment came, Daniel gets his audience with the king, an ordinary servant gets called out based on years of faithfulness and fruitfulness. Bring that guy out. And Daniel gets there, and, and, and the moment comes, he says, tell me my dream. And now let me boast. Again, I confess. A moment comes, and, the, I know, and Daniel knows the prophecy ends with, you're going to die. <laughs> it's not a real popular word to bring. I've got a prophetic word for you. Don't plan much for your calendar tomorrow. You won't be here to fulfill it. Don't stress about the season finale of that series you're watching. <laughs> it's not going to matter. You know, it's not a real great word. I'll be like, oh, maybe can I just encourage it up a little bit, you know? <laughs> but you're a good guy, but you'll die. But Daniel doesn't do it. I love that the moment comes. The moment comes to speak truth in this moment. And Daniel, who's, there's wisdom in it, but I love it. He doesn't back down in fear, but he speaks truth with faith in his heart. But here's the understanding for you and I. Is that faith is not just recognizing God opportunities. It's seizing them. Famous preacher said, opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of opportunity. What I'm trying to get is at here is sometimes I think the, what God is, the opportunities God's bringing around aren't looking like opportunities to many of us because we've neglected the ordinary. We've forsaken the ordinary. We want the glitz and glamour of the extraordinary. I want the high moments in life. I want the big promotions. I want the big success stories. But God's saying if you faith for the ordinary, you'll start to see that the extraordinary is actually wrapped up very ordinary-like. Moses, our character that's just dragging through this preach, is a man who, who gets into Egypt and he has a staff in his hand. He sets the people free, takes the, the selfies with the group as they go and they sing the songs, freedom, we're out of here. It's like, yeah, that's going to get a million likes. And he gets to the Red Sea and he goes, this sucks. God, what happened? Been faithful, been fruitful. Now there's a problem here. The Egyptians are behind me. There's nothing nowhere in front of me to go. What must I do? And God says, actually, what's in your hand? The thing you've, that I put in your hand years ago when you were in obscurity is the thing that you're going to use to do the miracle now. Thank goodness he had proved faithful for 40 years with that thing. Thank goodness for he hadn't despised those days and actually said, actually, I'm done with those days because he would have had nothing in his hand at that moment. And God said, I'll stretch your arm with your staff and watch what I will do. And God parted the Red Seas. Another man, David, is he's in that moment where he's been, he's been anointed king, but years pass, he's anointed, but years pass, nothing seems to be happening. And then this man, Goliath, come, comes and Goliath is, is, is bemoaning and, and, and just and really echoing out threats against the, the Jewish nation and saying, I will destroy you all. David gets to the battlefront with his brothers. They're going, this is a bad day for us, Dave. It's a bad day. We're doomed. And Dave's probably going, this sucks. I've been, I've been anointed king, and now this guy's going to destroy the nation before I get my chance. That's not fair. That's what I would say. I'd be going, this guy is in the way of my, my destiny, man. This is not cool. But no, David doesn't say that. David sees Goliath as an opportunity. 
You see, the moment when everyone else goes, oh, it's an obstacle. David sees it as an opportunity. He takes a sling that's the thing in his hand that's been there for years. Thank goodness he had proved faithful, the lion and the bear. He gets to that moment and says, I'll do it. He marches out and he slays the Goliath. Goliath falls. And here's the amazing thing. The thing that I would have seen as the obstacle to my destiny became the thing that was his promotion. It was because of his slaying of Goliath that he was, the, the rapid promotion to the, the, the kingship happened. This is what happens in the economy of God. Speaking of that economy, I promise you, when we start to see, get this and see with different lenses, my appeal, what I've been trying to say the whole morning is this. In God's kingdom, there are no ordinary moments. Let me say it again. In God's economy, there are no ordinary days. In God's economy, there are no ordinary people. When we start to understand that, you'll start to see authority and the supernatural start to flow more when you start to understand there are no ordinary Mondays. There are opportunities for God wanting to do. Because I believe that often the most holy, the most powerful, the most anointed moments seem like the most ordinary to the untrained eye. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, <laughs> sounds cool. All the Fs, I'll remember that. That's helpful. Thank you. But you're saying, I feel very run-of-the-mill, Gabe. My life feels very run-of-the-mill. My life feels very unqualified for, for something grand to happen. I feel, I feel very insignificant. I feel very ordinary. Firstly, I'd like to say welcome to the club. But I want to tell you that years ago, my family taught a deep theological lesson in a profoundly simple way. was my family, we used to live in Zimbabwe, and uh, every year we'd make our annual trip through the bike bridge border, through Limpopo, on our way to Durban for our holiday. And uh, we got through, as we got through the border, we would, would stop in a small town called Messina. And the boys, little three boys in the back of the car were so excited because there was, they knew there was this, this promised land, this, this shop that was devoted entirely to toys called Toys R Us which we thought was Toys R Us for many years. Toys R Us. And this was just, this was the, the, the dream for young kids. And we went in there, and my dad had to tell us, because funds were tight, we had stretched the budget even just to make it across the border. And he said to the three young boys, he said, boys, listen, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. You guys can go, but I want one toy each. This is not Reggie's Rush where you're filling the, the trolley. One toy each. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. And with excitement, we went and we ran up and down the aisles, up and down the aisles, looking. And I remember saying, oh, my word, PlayStations. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. I just like, just things got, I just got big for a little guy with massive eyes. Eyes got so huge. I didn't know what to do. I picked one toy. No, 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 no. What about that one? What about this one? And just every aisle was just more promises of joy and excitement. And I didn't know. It was like, it's just expiring. Heat up the top of my head. I didn't know what to do. And after 10 minutes, my dad would make the whistle that only the Phillips boys could hear. It was like a dog whistle. And we... We knew, and we ran back to the aisle to, to purchase these things. And I can remember coming trembling with hands, trembling, going, Dad, I want this one. I want this one, Dad. I want this one. And with joy, out of the, all the toys that were in the store, I chose that one with delight. I said, I want this one. And I want to tell you this exciting thing is that in the book of Ephesians, there's a scripture that tells us that God chose you and I. He chose us accord, before the foundation of the world according to his pleasure. I want to tell you, God chose you and I before the creation of the world. He chose you and I according to his pleasure, not reluctantly, not like, ah, does this guy come in blonde? Oh, fine, I'll take him. 
No, no, no. He chose us with delight, spinning exuberance. I want, this is the one I want. This is the guy I want. And I'll have him born in 1988 in this town called Harare. He's going to move to, to Cape Town. Angels, listen, are you listening? This is going to be the plan. And in Cape Town, he's going to thrive. He's going to be faithful. But watch what I'll do with him. Watch what I'm going to do. Actually, in the seemingly ordinary moments, just, well, no, 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 you don't know what I'm doing. Watch, because I've chosen him. And I tell you, my father does not choose defects. He does not choose ordinary. He does not choose run-of-the-mill. He chooses the best because he is the best. And this is what I want to put into us as a community this morning, that in his faithfulness, he chose you to live here and now in the seemingly ordinary life that you are living. He chose you and put you in the seemingly ordinary family that just seems run-of-the-mill, in the ordinary job, in the ordinary church, the ordinary life that you think is just going through the motions. He chose you there so that you could get authority that would change a nation out of the ordinary. He says, watch what I'll do. I want to tell you this morning, it's not because you're great. Maybe you're here and you're saying, actually, Gabe, this sounds great, but the problem is the last 20 years of my life, there have been stuff-ups. I haven't been faithful. I haven't been fruitful. Our faith is ebbing fast. The great news of the gospel is actually we cling not to our ability to make it happen. We cling to his faithfulness because he cannot deny himself. He has chosen. He has named you. He has empowered you. And he says, I have a future that's bigger than you'll be able to manufacture yourself. But will you trust me with your ordinary? The appeal I'm bringing you today is that the father has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. The Father has chosen the foolish things. And when in my Bible, I've underlined foolish things, and I said, that's me. I thought there'd be an amen or two. My wife was like, amen. <laughs> that's me, the foolish thing, the ordinary thing, the unqualified thing by the world standards. He's chosen me to be faithful, to be fruitful and faithful, and says, watch what I'll do through your little life. And I believe he's chosen you. He's chosen you, Chris Cuff. He's chosen you according to his delight in your seemingly ordinary moments to say, what will I do if you'll be faithful? He's chosen us. Will we respond in this moment? As I land this morning, I pray that faith will start to rise, not only for the seemingly extraordinary highlight real package, Instagram, Christianity. I want that. No, so actually I'm going to be faithful tomorrow. As the moment comes tomorrow and the seemingly mundane, we'll say, God, will you change my eyes to see there are no ordinary moments? There are no ordinary people because you have extraordinary things for us. Can we close your eyes? This series is just given as we read scripture. We hope you're reading it along with us at home. There's so much that we could be saying. But the kernel has been coming through that actually God is he's putting, giving us practical playbooks of things, how we can change the lenses, how we view our ordinary, how we view life and, and, and trials and circumstances. But also he's getting in there and just saying, actually, he's breaking off lies where people have settled saying, I'm unqualified. I've messed up too bad. I'm ordinary. My life is not that exciting. God is actually getting in there saying, actually, can you see what I see? Gabe, as you view out at your people, the people this morning who call Life Change Home, do you see what I see? Do you see what I am doing? And right now in this place, can you open your hearts to God? God is wanting just to bring a change, a change of mindset as we start to believe what He sees. Father, in this moment, I thank you, Jesus. You're doing a deep work in us. And you're saying, I've chosen the foolish things to shame the wise.
I've chosen your, what seems like foolishness to the world, your mothering of young children at home, going through the motions. I've chosen that to shame the wise. I've chosen your staying at home to look after a sick relative, which seems very ordinary. I've chosen that to shame the wise. I've chosen what seems like a dead-end job of just paper pushing. I've chosen that to shame the wise. I've chosen your, your, your tough relationships, marriages, and with your, with your kids, and I've chosen that to shame the wise. I've chosen, I've chosen you to shame the wise, but will you give me your ordinary? Will you give me your unqualified? Will you give me your, your moments where you just wish you could kick out? Will you give me those and watch what I'll do? Because there's no ordinary moments. I thank you right now, Spirit of God, you're changing our lenses. Tomorrow, Monday, it's no ordinary Monday. We go home to your family. It's no ordinary family. That dishwasher is no ordinary dishwasher because, God, you're putting a new spirit in us, a Daniel spirit that's faithful, fruitful, and faith-filled. And how we walk out the seemingly ordinary will determine how we handle the moments of authority. Thank you for doing this in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.